You're listening to the RE Social Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Vince from Onvi Invest. For more information, go to onviinvest.com. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of RE Social Podcast. And today we have a special guest from California, Mr. Charlotte Mehta. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you, Vince? How are you, Andrew? Uh, I'm doing great. How about yourself? How was your day? How was your week? Good, man. Good. Yeah, it was a good week. A good day. Just came back from playing a couple of hours of pickleball, so I feel pretty good. That's yeah. like all the rage lately. I've just not played. I yet. know, man. I mean, I shouldn't. I, I use the term play very loosely. Like, I used to sit out for 45 minutes, play for 10 minutes, wait mm. for 45 minutes. So, yeah, you go there for two hours, play three games, and like, oh, that was... Kind of 10 minutes is probably enough, though. Is, yeah. like, is it super intense? No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, you gotcha. hardly break a sweat, yeah. Nice, man. Yeah, I got yeah. some I got some hobbies on Tuesday. It's going to get about 80 right here in SoCal, and I'm going to hit the harbor in my paddleboard. I throw it in my oh, car cool. and I just go do my thing. Nice. Awesome. So that we got our... That's what do you do in your off time? Let's go there. Well, we're on We're on a topic today. <laughs> no, dude, let's talk about Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> so, Charlotte, so for people who don't know, I know you are involved with uh, RE Simply, but uh, well, what do you do? Like a 90-second uh, uh, background for yourself. I mean, so I started investing in August 2010. I used, I was living in Chicago, then started investing in Northwest Indiana, uh, you know, bought rental properties. Uh, then from there, you know, but the goal was to have freedom of time and money. Then from there, started wholesaling, flipping, 2015 I moved to, from Chicago to Southern California and I started looking at some software I would need to run my business. I was doing about 40, 50 flips a year and I didn't find anything. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to hire a couple of developers and uh, create something. So that's kind of how we simply started. At this point, we have, you know, thousands of companies that are using our platform and I'm still investing in Indiana, still in that primary market. Uh, now we do about 20, 25 flips. It's very hands-off for me. My project manager lives in Vallada and my lead manager lives in Canada. So, and that's just three of us. We don't have any local person in Indiana and also own a property management company for my rental properties. And how, how many rental properties do you have total? 50. 50. Nice. That's units or properties? Like uh, Units. I mean, they're like single family up to four units. Majority of them are single family. Nice, man. That's that's kind of what, like, what uh, Drew and I do as well. Do you, uh, well, before I go into some crazy tangent, so I like to have timelines. So you started in 2010, you said in Northwest Indiana, right? So were you like a Argus. software engineer before that? No. Um, I was an accountant. Accountant. Okay. And then yeah. so how did you have money to start buying like Single families in Indiana, did you save money? Uh, I mean, actually the first few properties that I bought were two to four units. The first one I bought was two units. I mean, these are like very inexpensive properties that we're talking mm -hmm. about. They've gone up in value now, but the first one I bought and I paid like 20, 25. I was only for about 35,000, rented for nice. 1,300. September, 2010, I bought my second property, which was a three unit. I think I paid 44, put like 10,000 into it. Three units combined with renting for seventeen, $1,800. I'm like, holy crap, you know, if I just do, and you know, my wife and I, we have the money paved out between two of us, you know, we're living a frugal lifestyle, get the money saved up. So we invested in rental properties. And then my wife and I talked to them like, the opportunity that we have now, I don't think it's ever going to come again in our life. So I decided to leave my job and then just do real estate full time. The idea was the worst that can happen is we lose everything. That was like the absolute worst case scenario that I buy the worst properties ever. They go down to zero. So, you know, like, no, I will lose about 100, 150,000, which is not 
you know, which is a lot of money, but the upside was much higher. So it was just basically looking at and saying, all right, what's the downside? What's the upside? The downside, you lose everything. I tried for a year, a couple of years. If it doesn't work out and I just go back, get my job again, and then just start doing like worse than it's like the savings that we have in a couple of years also for our time spent in it. Okay. So you bought the first couple of properties, you know, because it's, it's pretty inexpensive. So how did you keep buying properties if you quit your job? Yeah, so I, wife was working? Yeah, sorry, then the wife was working. Uh, so we always lived on the lower of the two incomes. My wife and I were making about similar income. So we're always living on lower of the two incomes. So our lifestyle wasn't affected when I left my job. And, you know, after like about two properties, I kind of ran out of money. So I started borrowing from friends and family. The idea was I, I borrowed on seven year, seven year amortization, two year balloon payment, just so that I was like really forced myself to pay these down as quickly as possible. So I was doing like bird method, I guess you could say, I didn't even know it was called bird method, but that's what I was doing. You know, the rental income that I had coming from my, the, the first two properties I would use to pay down the loan. And then the third property that I had, you know, I would just take the rental income, just keep paying it down and just keep kind of, you know, growing from there. Like 2012 through 14, you know, I started wholesaling properties to Australian investors. Uh, there was a company in Australia that I connected with. They were selling properties in Indiana because Australian dollar was very strong against US dollars. So I started wholesaling properties to them. All the money that I was making from wholesaling properties to them, I just reinvested back into buying more rental properties. So of the 50 units that I have, about 45 are paid for free and clear. And it's always the goal just to have very cash flow free cash flow properties and that was kind of the idea. So I just kind of, the money that I was taking from wholesaling and flipping, just kept reinvesting into paying down the loan, buying more properties. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. We're, we're kind of like what you're doing. That's what we're doing. We're around like 25 units, 12, 13 properties right now. But you know, California is so expensive. So and that's, that's interesting. So you started off and then you went into the business. So now you did mention, I've been writing down some notes. You said it's a, uh, for people who don't know. So when you say it's a seven year uh, AM with a two year um a pay you have to pay out so which means you will you will amortize your loan over seven years but that's a balloon so which means the entire amount is due in two years right yeah. so i assume yeah. that you were taking on debt partners and not equity partners at this point correct yeah no equity partners i own 100 percent of it yeah it'd be used to like just straight loans seven year amortization two year balloon payment they didn't oh, have any equity yeah i mean they had like it was the property was secured by a mortgage uh, and then that's i just, just kind of forced myself into paying these down and then did you continue doing that method and uh, you just offered uh, debt only for them? Yeah. So I did this for like a couple of more years and then I started, you know, selling properties, flipping properties. And then the income that I made from that kept kind of reinvesting into rental properties, paying down any debt that I had. Wow. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, so I, I so I've never had any equity. Okay. So I've never had any equity partner in any of my businesses. I've all, all the businesses that I have, I own hundred percent, but the money that I was making from wholesaling properties or flipping properties, I just took that money, that profit, and then paid down the loan that I had. And, you know, just kind of kept growing from there. Yeah, that's a very interesting. Drew, did you have any questions on that? No, it seems like you're, you're, it's interesting that you've been aggressive and yet conservative. How long have you been doing it now? I haven't bought any, like I bought pretty aggressively from 2010 through 14. For myself, but it kind of was the prices started going up in hindsight. I should have kept buying more prices started going up. Then I kind of started doing more flipping 
and less buy and hold. I didn't sell any of the properties that I had bought for myself. Uh, now I kind of buy a couple of properties a year uh, and just keep those. But the goal, uh, like when I was buying aggressively about 2010 through 14, that's where I, you know, acquired majority of my units. Gosh, so that 14 year span, you're pretty focused on buy and hold as well as flips, kind of a little bit of both. Correct. Now it's primarily flips. Okay. And then um, you chose Indiana. Other than the price point, what made you choose Indiana? Did you see that the economy was there was picking no. up? No, just no, the price? There's, no, no, not even the price. I mean, I literally lived in downtown Chicago. I drew one hour drive radius from where I live. Like, I didn't even know Indiana was that close to where I live because I didn't have anything to do with Indiana. So I drew this one hour radius from where I was living, one hour driving radius. And I'm like, oh, there's a whole different state. And they kind of just started looking more into it. Another reason was Chicago, where I live, isn't landlord friendly at all. Indiana happens to be landlord friendly. So those were like two main reasons. You know, the price point was actually not that bad in Chicago either. But the primary reason was um, the Indiana being landlord friendly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. We knew... We started in California and we knew it wasn't landlord friendly, but you know, we couldn't drive one hour to a different state really. Right. Um, maybe we can. Can we drive to Arizona? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. But, if you uh, drive extremely fast. Yeah. We have a Mustang. We could do it. There you go. Yeah. So what kind of experiences had you experienced when, you know, you kind of made that decision or was it just like maybe hearing stories on forums and stuff how did you know to like okay let's go to landlord friendly states yeah it was just like online research you know back in the day anytime you googled anything bigger pockets would come up so i was right. pretty active in bigger pockets until 2012 13 when i was buying like majority of my properties so i would just end up behind a question i would go ask hey how do you do this how do you do that but yeah i mean it was from other people speaking about you know if you're going to buy rental properties you know, preferably you want to buy in a landlord friendly state. And I just like happened to be in Chicago, like 30 to 45 minutes drive from Indiana. It's like, it's practically a suburb of Chicago. Was there appreciation or was it purely price point and being a landlord friendly state? Was there like a good amount of appreciation in these markets or no? Um, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, you know, factor that in my numbers. My whole point was, all right, even if, the properties that I'm buying, right? The first, let's go back to the first property. I, I, I was all in for about 35000 I'm getting well over $1,300 a month in it. My whole idea was, like, what's the absolutely worst that can happen? Like really, really the worst case scenario. The property is worth nothing. I'm, you know, and this is like my thought process going in. I'm thinking, all right, maybe I'm absolutely the dumbest investor in the entire world. But, and I buy this property, it goes down to zero. But if I'm getting rent on these, I don't care if it goes down to zero as long as I'm getting cash flow. So it was very focused on cash flow. And for me, any appreciation was just bonus. You know, on the same property is worth about 100 to 125. So it's gone up in value. Nice. But that was never the that was never the expectation. That was never right. factored into my my, you know, the numbers that I was running. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. And and what were you were you netting pretty decently on each unit? Were you having issues? What were some of the Pros and no, cons I mean, since you got into it. Uh, I mean, the pros, the pros were like the cash flow was pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, like this is back in the day, 
you know, you could buy at like three, four percent rule, you know. And so it's like pretty insane the prices to rent ratio that you could get. The downside was, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. It was like the first time you rent a property and then, you know, you put an ad on Craigslist back in the day and you have people actually calling and you like start freaking out. You're like, holy crap, people are actually interested in the ad that I have. They're willing to pay me money. You know, when you, when you buy, I mean, at least for me, when I bought my first property, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, nobody is going to rent this property. Why would anybody want to rent this property for me? You start getting calls, you start showing property, and then people actually are willing to give you deposit. You get a little excited. You know, you don't do your, you don't run your due diligence properly, rent to someone that you shouldn't have. Those kind of issues you run into, but you know, you live and learn from those. But I don't think like knock on wood, there's been anything, you know, that I look back and like, man, I wish I had not done that. The only regret that I have is a couple of things. I wish I had started a property management company a lot sooner. And secondly, I wish I had just bought more properties. Those are the only two regrets right. that I have. Yeah. And the property management company um, you've got now, uh, which manages obviously your properties, but right. is it scooping up other properties as well? Are you like actually yeah, I mean, out there? Yeah. So we have about 200 units that I manage. It's only for investors that we sell properties to. A lot of flips that we do, we sell to other investors. That's uh, great. So then we manage those in-house, but we don't advertise, we don't market for any other investors. It's like whatever we have, money, properties, and other investors that we've sold properties to. That's smart. So you're making the money on the flip and then you're like upselling the management, which is... Right. I mean, it's the property is already, when we sell the property, it's already rented out. It's cash thing from day one. Oh, wow. And the management of the house. So when people buy, investors buy that property, they don't have any reason to move to a different property management company. And and how do you decide on which property to hold since you've got a renter in there? I'm assuming it's probably already stable and cash flowing. Why not just keep right. that yourself? What's um what's the criteria? Well, I mean, the criteria is like I'll you know, the cash flow that I have, uh, you know, the, I'll I'll take some of the profit every few properties that I sell. I like to have my property paid for free and clear. So some properties that I sell, then we take the money from that, keep a property for myself. Um, so that's kind of what I've done. And, but not last few years, you know, invested heavily in recently. So that's taken a lot of cash flow that I've put into the software company. The software company? That's right. I missed that part. Yeah, he owns uh, Yeah. So uh, I wanted to get into that next. So along this time, did you already start uh, uh, implementing ideas to start uh, RE Simply or when did that come Well, this thing, 2016 or 17 is when the idea came along. Like, I mean, that's when I kind of decided, you know what, I'm just going to hire a couple of developers and be able to create a product for myself. Call up all of our cousins in India and just hook it up, right? That's, that's where it there starts. Yeah. Right. Yeah, nice man. Yeah, Ari Simply, that's what what does Ari Simply do? I see you've got the shirt on. Let's give you a little plug and also help quench my curiosity and the audience's curiosity. What is Ari Simply? What are the what is the application? So if you look at real estate investing business, people that are doing direct to seller marketing, you know, you look at like there's four pillars of investing, right? You have the data, your marketing, your sales and operations. So we do everything except list pulling. For real estate investors, like you cannot pull lists, but once you pull lists, then you can do everything. You can manage your data with list stacking. We have driving for dollars, right? Then for marketing, we have a dialer built in. 
you can do direct mail, you can have your website in the platform. And then we have a CRM for your sales management, you know, phone system, buyers for it in the operation side we have, you can manage your vendors, you can even do your bookkeeping and accounting all within the system. It's a basically a business management system for real estate investors. That's awesome. So it's all in one. That's, that's brilliant. Yep. So you said you can't pull the list. Like, so how does it differ from like, uh, let's say deal machine or the other guys? What's the other one that the big one? The prop stream. Prop stream. Yeah. Yes. To you, you can pull the list in prop stream and deal machine. Once you pull the list, then you bring over to our system, stack your list, call from here, then, you know, do direct mail and everything all within our system. I so, see. But you could do that from prop stream too, though, right? Anyway. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a CRM, like it, it doesn't allow you to call or it doesn't allow you to send direct mail. I mean, I think it allows you to send direct mail. But you can send mail. Limited. I don't know about calling though. Yeah, but it's very limited. You cannot call from it. Like you yeah. have to export your list and then take it to your different system. Okay. So that'll be your system then. Correct. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. And then you, you have a, do you use it too, to do all of your clips, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, so all of my my team members, like three of us, are all. I mean, I guess my including my bookkeeper, four of us are all using recently. And then what what area does it uh, allow you to pick like markets and stuff? Can you or do you have to know like where you want to go to to look at? No, so you pull your list. You pull your list wherever you want to pull your list from. And once you're done that, then it doesn't matter what market you're in. You you pull your list. Then you just bring it over to our system, and then you can manage everything. At this point, we have like investors from all over the country that are using our product from like Hawaii to New York. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's, it's CRM then, right? Yeah. It's a CRM. That's kind of what we're most known for is being the CRM. That's cool. Right? For, for people who don't know what CRM is, do you want to explain? Yeah. I mean, CRM stands for like customer relationship management, I think. Yeah. Um, it's basically where you, a software where you manage your leads, your contacts, essentially, when you manage all your contacts in your business, your leads that you have, motivated seller leads, your buyers, your vendors, you manage that and then everything around it uh, that you have. So if you want to, so we have a phone system built in, so you have these contacts, you can call them, text them, email them, and then we just kind of go from there. But essentially it's a, it's a contact management system if you want to call it like at a very fundamental level. I love it. And is there any kind of AI built into that or some kind of Maybe we, we just do and set an automatic. Oh yeah, we definitely do. Phil, if you have a lead come in, you miss a call, you can put it on a drip campaign. I think that's like one of the features that most of our investors love is the automation with drip campaign. Yeah, you can put it on a drip and just keep texting or you know sending emails, direct mail. It remind you to call that lead. It could go on for as long as you want. Like we have investors that have that have bought leads. I mean, I've, I bought leads from drip campaign. That have gone on for like a couple of years. Like nice. we had an appointment like four years that he worked on a drip campaign. And it's just like right. he kept the system kept texting every month. Even remind us to call. It's just like it kept going on for four years and then we ended up closing on that property. Yeah. That's what the job is. That's awesome. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like at fundamental level, it's it's a contact management system, but then you can have automation for it. And like you can have phone system, you can have, you know, texting, email you know, the drip campaign, uh, but at the, the very, very fundamental level, like it's a contact management system. So you want to know each contact that you're talking to, what stage of your, you know, pipeline they're in, you know, is it a contact 
person that you're trying to contact, if the person that you have an appointment with, person that you made an offer or that you've already have a contract with. That's awesome, man. And yeah. then, and why, why did you design this software? Why? I'm sure it was a lot of work, a lot of headache, a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, why, um, why build the software? I mean, honestly, I needed it for my business. If I did not need it for my business, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know, I wasn't smart enough when I saw at this vision, oh, there's a need for, uh, you know, this product in the market. It just, it was just as simple as if I had never moved from Chicago, I would have never started recently because uh, living close to my properties, then I was running a business very inefficiently back then. But once I moved away from Chicago to California, then I started looking at my business from a much higher level, started noticing a lot of inefficiency. That's when I started looking for a more robust software than my Google Sheets or, you know, the other platform that I was using. That's kind of when I started looking for it and there wasn't any solution that kind of fit the needs that I had. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to hire a couple of developers, just create something very specifically for myself. If, you know, it ends up adding value to other people, fantastic. If not, at least it'll solve the pain points that I have and still be worth it for me. That's great. And how does cool. someone find or visit and get some more information on that? Yeah. So they can just go to our website, R-E-S-I-M-P-L-I.com. And, you know, we have like a lot of information on the website, but if they anything else in particular that they would like to know, they can always email like support at resimply.com and then they're more than happy to book a demo call and answer any questions they might. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I want to go back to uh, some of the other things that you were saying. So uh, when you bought the properties or did you try to pick like a A, B, C or D neighborhoods or like how did you? I did, yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, I, I cut out A and D. A was going to be too expensive. D was just, you know, I didn't feel comfortable. Yes. So it came down to like B and C. Started with a, what I would call a C neighborhood and then just kind of, you know, elevated to a B neighborhood, B, B minus neighborhood. Do you still own the uh, C neighborhoods or did you sell those? Yeah. No, I haven't sold anything. Do you see I a bought for myself. Do you see a difference in rent and price appreciation with B and C? Yeah, definitely. I would say like the B neighborhood has appreciated more than the C neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you just keep in mind, this is very subjective, right? What I might mm -hmm. call like ABCD, you might have a totally different definition, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, based on kind of what I judge as a B and C neighborhood, B neighborhood definitely is that more, much higher appreciation. Some of the properties have like tripled or quadrupled in value. Again, I mean, keep in mind that I didn't pay much for these properties. So we're not talking like millions of dollars. But still, like kind of based on what I paid to the value that they are, they, they're definitely appreciated. Yeah, man, that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we started off in um, D, C, mm. then we went to B, and then we started buying in A neighborhoods now as well. So right. it's it's uh, for us, it's less headache. Oh, definitely 100%. Yeah, I mean, if you can, like, honestly, if I can cash flow or break even on A neighborhoods, then I would buy an A neighborhood. Just because you have less headache and there's much higher, you know, chance of appreciation happening. I mean, your ROI and appreciation is always going to be much higher than cash flow. Um, because cash flow you're getting, you know, maybe you'll make like 10, 12% uh, cash in cash, but on appreciation, the money that you put into the property, you know, you're getting on the, the market value. If, if it goes up by 5%, you buy a hundred thousand dollar property. 
you know, maybe cash flow, you, you know, on cash flow you make. So, but if it goes up in value, it, it's going up, you know, five to 10% on that $100,000. So, you know, you add five to $10,000 to your net worth. Next year, the same thing, right? It just keeps going up and up. And, but again, you know, you, you cannot, you know, pay your rent or you cannot, you know, buy anything with appreciation unless you do cash on refi. So my, my thought process always was, all right, for me, cash flow is what I want. Uh, if appreciation happens, fantastic. If not, it's all right. I'm okay with it. I can live with it. You know, we're, we're, we're recording at the end of 2023. You know, uh, a lot of our listeners are newer investors and they're trying to get into the game on, you know, some experienced ones. So what would you recommend? You know, you can't buy houses for a hundred grand nowadays unless you go somewhere crazy. But do you think it's, um what, what, would, what would be the steps that you would advise people to take to get the confidence to buy your first or the next property? Have you thought about investing in real estate and taking advantage of all of those benefits without any of the work? That is something that On the Invest not only provides, but has been providing since its inception. With friends and family, we have built an empire in a system of a wealth generating tool that is giving us and our friends and family that leverage in their life to create true wealth. Go to ontheinvest.com for more to see if you qualify. And thanks for listening. Would it be rental property? Yes, rental. Or, or it could be primary residence. We don't shy away from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I would do is um, if my, my wife, she wasn't comfortable with it, but if she were, this is what I would have done. I would have bought a four-unit property, live in one unit and rented out the other three. Uh, my wife wasn't comfortable with the idea, so we didn't go down that route. But if it were up to me, that's what I would do buy a two to four unit, live in one unit, rent out the other, and then, you know, see how many times you can do that. That would, if you don't own a property and you are comfortable with that or other people that are, you know, decision makers in your life, you know, your spouse or whoever, your life partner, if comfortable with that, that's the best way to, you know, that's, that's the best first property that you can own. You know, you don't have to live in it forever. You can live in it for like a year or two move out and see if you can repeat the process if that's something you feel comfortable with. But that's like the easiest way to own a two to four unit property. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a very wise uh, strategy. That's what we recommend for most people. In fact, the wall you see behind me, that's uh, on the other side is a, it's a rental. And this is my, okay. this is where I live. This is my, this, uh, this is my podcast room, but I live in the main house and there's an ADU in the back. So, you know, we rent right. that out and same with Drew as well. He lives down the street and he has a, he lives in the main house and then there's a studio about the garage and he right. rents that out too. So, you know, yeah. that's a, that's a very, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but it's uh it's a good way to get into the game using For leverage. Sure. And, you know, as you know, the, the Fannie Mae Freddie, Mac change guidelines as of uh, next week, I think, number 18th, you could get a four unit for 5% down conventional loan oh, wow. without FHA and the upfront MIP, which is like, you know, 175 basis points. So you don't have to do any of that. So, you know, a lot of people complain like, oh, it's very difficult to get into the game. I'm like, I mean, if you can't come up with 20 grand, I don't know what to tell you. Like mm -hmm. you can, that's all you need to buy a half a million dollar house. You only need like 30 grand, you know, 5% down right. and some closing costs. A lot of people are offering closing credit. So if all you need is yeah. a down I mean, payment. any, 
Yeah, any anything worth doing in life is going to be difficult, right? If it were yes. easy, it probably won't have, you know, it will, probably won't be worth it in the end. You know, it's hard because it's worth it. I mean, it's worth it. That's why it's hard. You know, a lot of people are trying to do the same thing. Like, I mean, if you own the asset long enough, you're not going to lose money on it. You know, you may buy it right now. You may think, oh, you're buying at the peak of the market. But over, you know, the idea should be like hold it for seven to 10 years. And even the primary residence that you're buying for unit won't buy it with the intention of selling it in a year or two. Just buy it with the intention that you're going to hold it for 10 years. You're not going to lose money. You know, it's just going to be cash flow positive. Most likely the values are going to go up unless something crazy happens. And then you'll just be much better off than you were when you bought the property. Yeah. <clears throat> what's, um, what's really interesting, I don't know if you guys have something to add to this too, is like what I see with people is, you know, nowadays, you know, kids and all the people, they, they want instant gratification. So they want to, you know, want to drive their cool BMW or the Mustang. Um, and, but they also want to own a house in Newport Beach or Costa Mesa, like where we live. Hey bro, you're describing me. <laughs> I know, but he has the Mustang and lives in Newport, right? Um, but but it took us five, six years to get here, right? Because we started off in Bakersfield and, and everybody and their mom made fun of us for doing that because they're like, oh, who goes to Bakersfield? And then we started buying in Inland Empire. They still made fun of us. They said, oh, Fontana. Oh, that's... Fontucky. Fontucky. And, and I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah. And then and then we started buying in uh, Orange County last year. And then they were like, hey, how do you do that? And we are like, yeah, right. <laughs> you can't do it, bro. Sure. It's like, so yeah. now they want to know, but they don't understand. It's like, it's like, uh, what do they say? Like all these um, comedians and like artists, we are an overnight success of 20 years or like 15 years. Right. Right? Yeah. It's just crazy. They, no such thing as an overnight success. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually made a post today, like over five years in, I put something on uh, our story where uh, it's like some tenant had some issues or some maggots at rain. There was trash and I'm like hitting up my cleaner. Uh, and there was some baby screaming, so the tenant didn't sleep overnight. That's an Airbnb, by the way. It's like a French rental. And it all these complaints, and I'm like answering it as calmly and nicely as I can. And I posted, I was like, this is what the path to financial freedom looks like. Like, let's be real. That's true. You see, you can see the car in the house and enjoy the, the, you know, the steak when I, when I invite you over. But behind the scenes, Monday through Sunday, really. Yeah. You don't see I all think, the grind and the BS that I have to deal with. To, uh, to I think one thing, like it, it's now that I'm kind of, you know, at the stage, I'm a little bit more comfortable not worrying about other people's opinion. You know, what other people has to think about me or what I'm doing, it's, it's none of my business. You know, it, it's, it's hard, you know. Um, and then I, I think what, like, I don't have any social media account. I have a Facebook account, but I use exclusively to go to our, Facebook group that we have for our users. I don't use anything outside of that. I don't even know last time I posted on Facebook. I don't have any Instagram, Twitter, or any of that. Uh, the reason was like, it's hard when you go to social media because then you're comparing someone's finished product with the ingredients that you have. It's like you're trying to bake a cake. You look at this master chef that has this, like the baker that's baked this amazing cake. And you just look at the ingredients that you have in your pantry, you're like, holy crap, like how am I going to get from this to this? You know, that's, it's not a fair comparison to have. If you look at, you know, when people are posting on social media, they're generally posting, I mean, it's very great of you, kind of what you posted to, you know, not, a lot of people will not do that. 
lot of people will post, you know, the fancy cars that they have, or, you know, the, the checks that they're getting. They yeah. post that too. I should do more of <laughs> yeah. that actually. Hold on. I'm going to make a note to do more of that. Yeah. Forget. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but the thing is like when people are posting on for the most part, I'm, I'm not speaking for, you know, anyone in particular, but for the most part, when people are posting on Instagram, right. Or any social media, they're posting the highlights of their life, right. They're posting the best moments of their life, the curated moments of their life. Yeah. Typically when you go to social media, you're, you're not feeling best, you know, about your life. You know, you generally, I mean, there's a lot of research been done around this. You're at a low point in your life. You're, you're, you're at a low point. You're looking at someone else's life, highlighting somebody else's life. It's never going to be a fair comparison. You know, you're always going to come out feeling worse about yourself, your situation. Um, so like going back to the enlisted investing, kind of what you guys did, that was, that was great. You know, you guys like, Hey, this is what we know is going to get us to the end result that we want. It doesn't matter what other people have to say. It's like, it's, it's none of my business. If they have an opinion about something that I'm doing, fine, good for them. How does that concern me? Uh, you know, and that, that's a very difficult mind shift. Like I don't follow any sports anymore. I used to follow that. I used to follow everything like NFL, NBA, and I would get worked up about, you know, a player that I was following and then, you know, they should get a hundred million dollar contract, but the <laughs> GM is only offering 90 minutes. I would get pissed off. And then I'm like, Shrant, what the hell are you doing? You're not going to get a percentage of the contract that they're getting. Mm -hmm. How does that concern you in any way? Do you care? Yeah. Why do I care? Why do I? it was like, then I'm like, just, you know what? It, Let me it ask you this and be honest. Did you at any point in time refer to it as we when discussing your favorite team? Oh, yeah. We have to shut down this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm playing. I'm from Kansas where it's yeah. like sports is like, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I no, look I mean, like a is. zombie because I'm literally watching the Cricket World Cup in India. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm following that, yeah. you know, like I'm following Cricket World Cup just because it's happening in India, but I'm not like. I'm not getting but like one thirty in the morning when the game starts. Yeah. Like I'll just check the score on Marine. Bro, you better get up on so, Saturday night, bro. He's saying no, he has yeah, more Saturday. of a life than, than Vince. <laughs> no, Saturday he's going to be up. I already Yeah. Yeah. It's the finals. It's the finals. He showed me cricket and I gave it a good 10 minutes and I'm just like, I, it's not my thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like the 20 better than like, you know, ODI that they're playing. But I mean, India isn't, finals of course i'm gonna watch it but you know like i honestly i don't even know who won the i i, I don't honestly at this point i don't even know when the nba finals happened i have no idea who won you know i have no idea like no yeah i, I have no idea follow either yeah i follow i, I do I follow playoffs for nfl which is kind of fun for me. yeah like i i don't follow anything i have no idea which team is good which team is bad like because it just it it, it gives you so much mental space when like for me personally, right? Just it's I'm talking speaking for myself. It just gives me so much mental space when I don't have to clutter my mind about a score, you know, a touchdown or a whatever, you know, NBA playoffs or baseball or whatever that might be. Just it's like, hey, that's like one less thing I have to worry about. Yes, if I'm like financially gaining out of it, I'm getting something out of it. Great. I mean, for my entertainment, I go play pickleball, which I absolutely love. I go play it, you know, PKs and VTs when I get time. But that's, that's what I love, but falling sports or being on social media, that's something, it just honestly gives me anxiety and <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it just not, 
good for me. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's no point falling that when emotionally I'm not capable of like managing my, you know, myself and get on hooked up about my, it. My take on that, um, not to make this about me, I want to make it about you, but briefly is I feel like, so I'm very competitive. I don't play video games for a reason because I just won't stop until right. I can crush everybody. And so I took that same mindset. I kind of recognized that early on. It's it's probably one part insecurity, one part uh, overinflation of ego. I don't know. I'll have to talk to my therapist later about it. But <laughs> until I'm like destroying everybody, I won't stop doing whatever it is. Right. Um, and so I just take all that like natural energy and I put it towards business. Uh, I put it towards my music school, towards our real estate business. Um, not that I'm always looking over my shoulder at my buddy. Am I doing better than him? I actually don't care. Um, but it's a it's a matter of like getting better every day. And, and if I'm around somebody who's not trying to be better every day, and not just financially, I mean, on every level, uh, right. we're just not going to have a lot to talk about. And right. I feel like, I do enjoy sports. I actually went to a history-making Dodger game, their first game of uh, 2023 for the playoffs. It was like the worst they've ever been beat in playoff history. <laughs> just a fun tidbit. Um, but I only went just for fun. It's entertainment for me. I love going to the games. I had no idea who was who, by the way. Right. Because I take all the energy that I might naturally have into, oh, what's the score? Who's winning? I have no control over that. Right. But I, I'm out. Like if I have no control over the outcome, I've lost interest completely. Uh, maybe one day when we're like just fat cats, rich on a yacht, I'll get back into it. And we want to have the luxury of just being bored. (laughs) I don't, but I, and for me, that's the way I work. I take my, I know that my energy is finite and that competitive drive that I have is finite. So I take that like video game, sports, whatever. And I put it into business and I love it in business. Like Mark Cuban says, is a twenty-four hour sport. It's the greatest yeah. game in the world. Yeah, I mean that's that's and that's the game that you actually control, right? Like at this point, if you ask me to name any quarterback on any NFL team, I could name even one. I just could not. I couldn't even name you one MLB player. I can just it's I admittedly don't follow that on bat made basketball. I can name LeBron James. Mm-hmm. If he's still playing, I know, like he's pretty old. Right, so I don't know either. Big, yeah. But outside of that, I have no idea, no interest in anything. You're right. I mean, you have like limited, you know, mental bandwidth that you have. And you choose what you want to use it on. Yeah. Right. I would rather use it on things that are going to add value, you know, or entertainment that I feel happy about. Whatever I do, you know, I feel good about it. And that's, that's what it's about. If like, you know, falling sports, if it makes someone happy, like good for them, you know, yeah. they're more control on their emotions than I did. So I have to kind of just, you know, like you said, you have to know kind of what you're good at, what you're not, like right. what you can manage in your life, you know, and, and then use that in a positive way. Right. Yeah. Channeling that energy. Yeah. In fact, yeah. in it, we've, we've been doing this podcast for a while, have, uh, been so lucky to speak to wonderful high-level people achieving wonderful things such as yourself. By the way, thank you again for your time. And granted, we're not like asking these questions specifically, I guess. So this is purely anecdotal, but I don't recall too many of our guests who are really crushing it 
I don't recall them being like, hey, wait a minute, hold on. The game is going to be on in a second. I got to get off. Like, I, yeah. I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think too many of them are really getting that involved in something like that. And it, and it makes sense because like we're saying, it's your, your time, your energy is finite. Even when it comes to like, you know, like gambling, when we go to Vegas to celebrate Vince's birthday, I always hit blackjack. Um, it's, it's, it's a problem. It is what it is. I like blackjack. Uh, and it's because I actually know the game. I had a grandmother who was a chain smoker, sweet lady, loved me to death and was teaching us as little kids on a video game, how to play. I just liked it, whatever it was. It was, it was time like grandmother more than anything. Point yeah. is, I did uh, try other games, but I found that I really knew this one the best and therefore I had the most degree of control. So I just enjoyed it more. Do I win every right. time? Definitely not. Do I win a lot? I actually do. The point is, is that's why I like real estate as an asset class. I, can, I, I definitely am not knocking anyone who's doing stocks or crypto or whatever. I actually do dabble in all that stuff myself. Uh, mostly index funds because I'm a dum-dum. But I love real estate because I can go, like you said, drive an hour to Indiana uh, or Indiana, and and just go do it, my roll up my sleeves and do it myself, which we have right. done many times before. You know, I enjoy that. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an asset that he controlled. It's, it's yeah. funny that you say that. I mean, I started, you know, like when I was working as the accountant, all I wanted to do was just be financially free. And I realized you know, the job that I had wasn't going to get me to the point that where I wanted to be in life, you know, have freedom of time and money. I just, it was a great company, great job, but I just didn't enjoy working for someone. Uh, and no jokes at one point, I wanted to be a full-time poker player. Ah. Yeah. And absolutely worst poker face that you can imagine. You would know if I pocketed really? you would you, I oh, feel like you'd be... Just, no, 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 no. You would just know, man. I would be just like jumping out. I'm like, hey, can you do, can you go all in? Can you go all in? <laughs> yeah, you would know. Um, yeah, so that that wasn't going to be my life's calling. And I started investing in stocks and bonds. I just couldn't take the up and down of the market and also the fact that I didn't control the asset. Yeah. You know, it was just like totally out of my hand. All I could control was where to put my money, but just can control the outcome. And that's in a way real estate came into what you said, Drew. It's, it's an asset that I control. You know, if you're buying a single family, it's like 100% of yep. the asset I control. Yep. I can make decision on it. You know, I can control my ROI on it, you know, to yep. some extent, uh, but it's not dependent on someone else making decision for me. Yes. And, and, and I love that it's an infinite game. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you know, every exactly. time you make a mistake, you've learned and now you're better, yep. smarter for the next deal. And those, and those wins are on wins and, it, you know, exponential mm -hmm. eventually, which is, I think, the place you're at now, which is great. So have you hit that point now of like, are you financially free? Where, where are we at? Are we, are we two years away? Are we, we were there five years ago? No, yeah, I've been free enough houses, bro. He's financially free. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. leading the witness, yeah. your yeah. honor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would say financially, financially free. Um, you know, that was always the goal to be financially free, not be dependent on money, uh, you know, not be dependent on like my source of income. Uh, you know, that I didn't have to work for anyone. Uh, so that was always the goal. That's why I absolutely love owning real estate, you know, cash flowing properties. Um, yeah, so that has been beyond grateful, beyond fortunate that, you know, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, just, you know, came across the right things and kind of guided me to, you know, things I needed to do with my life. So it just kind of worked out. And, you know, you're being very humble, which is, 
you know, nice. But of course, you you studied. You I mean, no, no, of course you I, stayed up late. Of course, at night. I studied. Yeah. Yeah, but if I think about it, if I were not living in Chicago, I went to school in New York, you know, and I moved to Chicago for my job. What if I'd not moved from New York to Chicago? Sure. You know, you just start, kind of start looking at it, and it's like yeah, everything just kind of aligned for me to make the decisions that I did. But you did the work. I want to emphasize that for anyone listening that, you know, you know, it, it is one part, you know, right place, right time, little stroke of luck. But you know, you put in the work and you yeah. gain the knowledge and the insight and stay course no matter what uh, mistakes, ups and downs, and yeah. that's really just what it's about. Yeah, part. absolutely. I mean, if I if I like something, I get pretty passionate about it. Like I'll go all in. I mean, no pun intended from poker, but I'll go all in on that. Like even when I wanted to be a full-time poker player, I was like, I was really all in. Uh, I was driving to the casinos in Indiana. I would play there. I would read books. I would, you know, follow stuff online. I just kind of realized in a few months, this this is not, I mean, this is the fastest way for me to go bankrupt. You know, know, just had to realize, you know, then I did the same thing with stocks and bonds, like just, Drove my sofa in and then Same. with real estate. With real estate, I started noticing, hey, I can really control this. I can control the outcome that I have. You know, unlike poker and stock, it's all dependent on me. So that that's what kind of really attracted me towards real estate. Ben Saeedian, what attracted you to real estate, sir? No, we still, we, we still have to find Vince what he does in his off time. What do you that's do for fun? Work. Who are you? No yeah. one knows who Vince is. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah. It's going to be a secret. You got to go on a date with me to find out. <laughs> no, but so yeah, I, I mean, guess, uh, I'm, I'm never going to find that out. What's that? You're never going to never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, financially free is such an interesting thing that uh, you're able to do. You know, if if I stop buying houses like crazy, even, you know, Drew goes to sleep, you know, we can't be financially free, I guess, in a year. <laughs> but, you know, you, with new properties, it comes new experiences and new things. And, you know, it, it becomes harder to grow much faster. So, you know, we're we are still in the growth phase. You know, we haven't hit 40 yet. You know, we still have a few years for that. Then we will probably think about like more kind of like um, settling down a little bit in terms of, um, buying more and more and more, but it's it's fun, you know. I I like it. I want people. I want to educate people. You know, get cool people like you on the show. See what different people are doing. It's it's basically like I think you you'll be like guest number sixty or something. We've had so many people. There's so many different stories. You know, you hear so many stories from different peoples from different backgrounds. I mean, I mean, you're yeah, you mean you, yeah, you got the best one on episode sixty now. Yeah, you got the best one. You know, <laughs> yeah. another another dude from India just killing it here. I mean, last last week was a Sridhar too, and he's uh he's also from India too, so he was kind of killing it too, kind of cool. So yeah, um, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, any other uh, last words of wisdom for the people? Uh-huh. What do you think of the market? Twenty twenty four is it going to crash? Should yeah, I was going to ask the same thing. Do you see a recession coming? I don't know, man. It's not like I I honestly I don't mean. Yes, he's financially free. Yeah. No, it's a of that. I mean, I still he's got it. paid off houses, guys. Don't ask he's him about interest rate. He's like, what are you, yeah. poor, borrowing money? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what, what's uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac? What, yeah. what, what, are they, <laughs> what are these government agencies? Yeah. No. no, I mean, of course, it, it, it impacts me a lot. You know, the investors that we have for, uh, you know, recently that are using our product, it impacts them. Look, I mean, there's always going to be ways to make money, right? But... Every year, it's going to get more challenging, right? Uh, I mean, there's going to be ups and downs. You know, like right now, there's a lot of regulations. Like, for example, texting. You know, I, I don't know how familiar you are. Yeah, I know. There's yeah, regulations. All these things. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of regulation. 
interest rate is high, but there's always going to be people, you have to keep in mind, there's always going to be people that are looking to sell houses, right? You just have to, you have to realize that it's real estate is something that's always going to be people that are looking to buy, that are looking to sell. You know, some years it's going to be less sellers, more buyers. Some years there's going to be more buy, um, you know, more sellers, less buyers. So you just have to adjust kind of what you're doing. Um, you know, to keep in mind, and this is something that took me a while to get accustomed to is prices are going to go up. You know, the properties that I used to pay 50, 60,000 for now we're buying those for 150,000, putting money into them and flipping them. And like we're closing in a property tomorrow that we're paying, I don't know, like 55 or 60, it's worth about 135, uh, fixed up. We'll put money into it. Like when I started investing. I wouldn't have even paid like five, ten thousand for the property. So it took me a little bit of time to just kind of have that mental shift. Um, but I, I think, I mean, even if there is recession, right, there's still people looking to sell houses and buy houses. The, the worst mistake any investor that I think can make is overpay for a house. You know, once you've overpaid for a house, if you paid $150,000 for a $100,000 house. There's absolutely nothing you can do. There's no way that you can recoup that 50000 because you've overpaid. The smartest thing you want to do is when you're buying a property, make sure you pay lower than market value or lower, you know, just negotiate on the buy side. Once you've done that, then you have room to play around. If for the same $100,000 property, if you bought it for 60000 now you have few things you can do with that property. Worst case, you can dump it, you know, make a little bit of money, break even, walk away. But if you pay 150 for 100,000 dollar property, there's nothing you can do, you know, other than lose money on it, unless you find somebody else who not aware of the market and willing to pay 150 for that property. Making, yeah, so push your money on the buy. Yeah, so for us, like we make our money when we buy a property, like we make our money on the purchase price. And then after that, what we do with the persistence and process is a separate thing. But once we overpaid, no amount of efficiency in a business is gonna help us make money on that deal. So for us, we make our money buying the property. That's for us, like when we're buying a property tomorrow, we know we're making money on it. It's just like, when are we going to cash that check? So to speak, is when we sell it. We made our money tomorrow, but we're going to cash our check in three to four months when we sell it. Thank you, sir. So, now, uh, any way, way for people to connect to you other than resimply.com? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not on social media, so they can just email me directly, sharad at resimply.com. S-H-A-R-A-D at R-E-S-I-M-P-L-I dot com. Thank you, sir. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, great talk. Thanks, man. I don't know about you, but I definitely like to see five-star reviews on any service or any product before I purchase. Please take a second to leave us a five-star review, whether you're listening to it on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, or whatever platform. Take a second. goes a long way. helps us a lot to grow the channel. And thanks for listening.